Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive parts. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Have you ever had other thoughts outside of your own opinion? You know, well, what I mean is, have you ever looked at both sides of an equation of a thought process? Or have you decided to believe something because it was told to you and you never researched another aspect or discovered if there was another side to that story? Today's guest is Allison Donaghy, and we discuss domino thinking, looking at both sides, where things may go, and how our behavior is influenced by our willingness to look at just one side of things or on both sides or many options. I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Allison Donaghy. Okay, Allison, we made it. It's a tech day, <laughs> as you said, and we're going to make this happen. We are. We are powerful that way. We are. We're very powerful. <laughs> well, I'm really uh, pumped that I get to meet you, just like everybody get to meet. But I think I'm. I basically got connected to you through yes. Joe Beth. Uh, she's awesome, by the way. I had a nice phone call with her. She said, "You got to talk to Allison." <laughs> and then another one of her. I was like, "Yeah, let's bring them on, man. Bring these people on." <laughs> well, that's what it's about. It's all about Come having on. the great conversations, understanding how we can connect, and we're more the same than we are different. Totally agree. And um, I'm having so many conversations all the time. I'm basically a last 15, 20 years, avid networker, and I just, no agenda. I just like having conversation mm -hmm. with people. And there's so much to talk about these days. Well, speaking of that, how is your life being impacted by COVID-19? Oh, such a variety of ways. You know, mostly, you know, once I had my initial meltdown, like, oh my God, the world's going to stop. I'm going to lose everything. Uh -huh. um, I've just been really, really loving the space. You know, I realized that I mm. have been working so hard for the, like the last 30 years and never really coming up for air, even on holidays. And now I just have this space to embrace and get creative. And so that is definitely an upside to all of this for me, for sure. So take me deeper into the creativity and how you've kind of transitioned. Well, I think it's really about looking 
at how, like I've got a couple of businesses. I have a house painting company. And so it's like, how do we maneuver that and make sure everybody stay safe and still really connect with our community? So we're doing reach out to all the businesses in town, seeing how we can support them and give them social media love on things. And just really, how can we come together as a business community? And it's been really, some really amazing conversations have stemmed from that and great ideas. And then my online stuff, I've been kind of taking a step back and saying, what part of it do I love? What part do I want to embrace and do more of? And what part can I just let go so I have more ease in my life? Interesting. So what's the online aspect been? Tell me a little bit. So I also have a podcast called Domino Thinking with Allison. And so now I'm thinking about maybe opening up another couple of podcasts for ideas that I have, just different things um, to just really start, as you know, we're saying, have different conversations with people that we just don't have uh, on the street with the average person while waiting for Starbucks, right? (laughs) And So I'm thinking about maybe doing more podcasting. I have a program that I help people connect with their inherent worth, like the worth that we were born with. How do we remember that? And so I have cohorts going through that and reclaiming their worth, which has been a really a tremendous, tremendous honor to be able to go through that with people and have a system that works so well. And I love all of that. The Facebook groups, not so much. <laughs> so, tell me, tell me. I like to know. I want to know the deep yeah, down stuff. I, I just realized, you know, I adore people and I really want to see people succeed at things, but I don't want to hold hands. I don't want to, <laughs> I, I, I don't do well in that day to day. Oh, tell me about that paper cut you got today. That's not me. And so I yeah. found that being in these Facebook groups, I'm just showing up not as authentically as I would like to. I like to be that person. It's like, oh, tell me about your problem. Hey, let's find a solution. Now go away, work on that. And if you have another problem, you can come back and see me. But I don't, I don't want to hold people hostage to thinking they're going to get their worth from being in a group with me or, you know, ongoing coaching for the next three years. Like that's, it's hostage taking and I don't want to do it. And that's not to say there isn't value in it. It just doesn't align with me. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned, I mean, I haven't had Facebook in like, it's got to be like eight <laughs> I'm years so now. Jealous. I'm so jealous. I mean, I don't really have anything. I don't have anything except for LinkedIn because I made the decision like, you know what? Maybe I am missing out on some stuff. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. I honestly don't care. And uh, I'm going to be on the one thing that I like to use, feels a little more professional to me. And I'm just meeting a lot of my colleagues more in that space. So I've been doing that. And then my podcast, but I notice a lot of people telling me about Facebook groups. They're like, be a part of my Facebook group. I'm like, it's not possible for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not happening. I ain't going back in for your group. Oh I God. promise you. Yeah, no, and <laughs> like, you know what I'm really seeing happening right now is this it's almost like it feels to me a bit like a panic and people not knowing quite how to adjust. And so I swear to God, I probably get like 10 or 15 invites to groups on Facebook every single day. And it's, that's not going to solve these problems. You know, that's not, let's hope that doesn't become our new normal because we're definitely not going back to our old normal. It's not possible, but let's hope that this um, being inundated with people's need is, is going to lessen a little bit. I think we're going to see, I mean, it's all a very interesting um, commentary on our social nature as people 
our personalities, how we interact with people, isolation. There's just a lot of threads or subplots <laughs> from a lot of this. You know, it's like a great movie with all these subplots and things. And I think we're not really ready for what's no. coming, in my no. opinion. I think you know? we have to like pull out the popcorn and sit back and watch a little bit and just yeah. really become observers as opposed to just frantically acting. Um, I think if we are able to sort of see, sit back and go, this is maybe where I see things being in six months. Like it's all guesswork anyway, yeah. but how can I get ahead of the it's curve? If stores stay closed, what can I do around that? How can I connect with people differently in a way that's not being done? Because right now what I'm seeing is everybody's doing exactly the same thing, which loses its power. Yeah, I think so. And there's an element of, you know, we're going into these different phases of our behavior. And currently we're in a phase of like, get back to work. Everybody reopen the country, get back to work. And it's very like mm. nearsighted, I think. So, I mean, obviously that's important, but what's the long play here with it? You may open things and they may have to be shut down again. Yeah. It's a possibility. You know, and I think we're thinking of this in terms of just getting back. And I look at it in a more deeper psychological view and sense that there's an element of work because people want to work, but there's also an element of work to get away from the current reality that <laughs> yeah. they're in. Yeah. It's like that comedian was right? saying, um, he has a great one. Is it CK Lewis? Maybe he said he was driving down the street and he got really upset mm -hmm. and normally he would you know, play music or call somebody or whatever. And then he just decided to pull over on the side of the road and just be with his feelings. Right. I feel like there is this yeah. need to just not experience what is happening right now. And yet the only way we're going to get yeah. through this is by experiencing what is happening right now and try to consider the ramifications of today's choices. And I'm not entirely sure people are willing to do that. I think it's going to be tough. I think for, our species is very difficult. And we're also heavily defined by the mm. work that we do. So partially, I'm not, I don't want anybody to get crazy about this. Just saying, like, if you really think about it on a deeper level, you have to ask yourself, am, is, there an, is there an economic aspect? Of course there is. There's a huge economic aspect. But is it also that your work defines you so much that you don't know what to do when you're mm -hmm. not at work? So you're very, it's, you're, it's destroying your reality. Yeah by not being at work. You want that reality back, but the problem is that reality was going to change. So it's really kind of moving from one subplot, one context, one almost dimension of your life mm -hmm. to the next. That last yeah. chapter is closed. <laughs> it it's is. over. And what a beautiful opportunity to over. reframe and decide what stories you want to attach yourself to and which ones you want to let go. Um, and really... Uh, take that time to connect with your joy, like what feels good? Like what, what are you doing for other people or have been doing for other people? What can you let go of the things that you don't enjoy around that? And what can you embrace and do more of? So in your mind, where do you see that? What's your personal journey? What do you want to do more of? What do you want to let go? I know you talked about the online aspects, some things, what else is there? I think for I really want to play more. You know, I want to take some improv classes. Mm. I want to get back into dance. I want to, you know, maybe take the odd art class or just really make that time in my life to immerse in something that is just 
just for fun, for no other reason. I don't want to become an actor, but I think it would be so much fun <laughs> to play around with it for a little bit. Um, maybe get involved with, with uh, an organization that really calls to me. I have a really hard time aligning with different organizations because I have such a hard line between empowerment and enabling. And so mm. I find some of that work really difficult because I think we don't think about the ramifications of our actions. Are we actually helping them or are we helping ourselves by getting involved in it? Mm. So I have kind of a unique position, I think, on some of those things. And I, I tend to piss people off around it. <laughs> because <laughs> Okay, wait a minute. Tell me more. Tell me well, more. if you think about... Um, now, I want to talk about this in context of people who are capable. I'm not talking about people who have mental challenges and they are just not capable of taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So just I want to put that caveat out there. But there's a lot of people that are um, not aware of their ability to change their lives. And then we go and we give money to the guy that's hanging out at the stop sign saying, hey, can you give me some money? And yet we don't take a moment to think about the fact that they're wearing Nikes and, you know, Columbia jacket and they, they're obviously well-dressed and they're on the side of the road. Now, are we actually helping them when we give money or are we doing it so that we feel good about ourselves? If we're able to say, oh, you know what I did today, I pulled over and the guy on the corner asking for money, I gave him Gatorade. Yeah. He is like, I'm just such a great person for doing that because I didn't want to give him money because he might use it for drugs. Is it your choice to decide that he needs Gatorade over money and Gatorade over drugs? So on the one hand, we are not being really honest about the work that we're doing. And on the other hand, if we give them money or Gatorade, are we actually helping them or are we keeping them where they're at? Because every couple of days it's working for them. And so I would imagine that the pissing people off part is you've had discussions about this with people yeah. or they know about your your uh, approach to this. And yeah, for sure. You know, I met a woman one time and she was down in Haiti and she said, oh, we rounded up a bunch of, you know, little 10, 11, 12 year old girls and we brought them into the hotel so they could hang out by the pool. You know, they'd never even been by a pool before. We just gave them such a great day. And I said, did you yeah. or did you shine a light on the fact that the rest of their life sucks? And they will never, ever get back into that place unless they start engaging in behaviors yeah. that could be harmful to them, like hooking or something. And, you know, she just mm -hmm. looked at me and she's like, oh, but they had a day at the pool. And I'm like, oh, ouch. And so, and I'm not innocent in this as well. I just try to keep my awareness up. And so I think that we don't always think about whether or not we're helping or hurting. It's like even right now with our government in Canada here, we are giving out so much money. Like we are just, we're printing it like it's yeah. nobody's business. And nobody really wants to talk about the fact that it's going to put us in a depression. Right? Because as long as they're getting money now, as long as and what's happening is they're actually getting more money to stay home than a lot of them actually get going to work. So they're living better during this crisis. <laughs> I think that's a problem. I think when we're in a crisis, we have to tighten up. We have to go without. We have to just, you know, hang in there so that we have an easier way of getting out of it. But that's not what's happening. You know what? You are, <laughs> you crack, you're cracking me up, Allison. You know what? You sound just like a friend of mine. I will not say who this person's name is. He wouldn't want me to say, but he, we have very, um, engaging conversation about mm. things like this. And literally we're just on the phone. 
And we were discussing about, in the United States, about, you know, stimulus checks and small business loans, you know, the whole thing. And it sounds like Canada's doing very similar uh, type things. But I think giving away even more money to individual citizens sounds like- Oh, we're giving away like, a lot. Um, like it seems like a lot, like 8000 well, or something, or I don't $2, know. $2,000 like- to everybody that's not been able to work. So it's called CERB. It's the Canadian Emergency Relief Fund yeah. um, or Benefit. And so we're giving 2000 to everybody. Now they're allowed to work and make another $1,000 on top of that. And they don't have to, they can't get evicted for not paying their rent. So if they choose to, they don't have to pay rent. And if they do choose to pay rent, they can pay $500 less. And people are like, oh, we're getting free money. It's not free money. <laughs> and then there's businesses that, no, and they're not discerning who gets it and who doesn't. So I was talking to a woman who knows a multimillionaire and her and her husband have 11 personal homes around the world and they are collecting SERP and they're proud of it. Yeah. And I'm thinking that is just, if it's not illegal, it's immoral <laughs> in my opinion. And then we're giving out $40,000 business loans. Uh, without much qualification and 10,000 of it's forgivable. And people are like, I don't need it, but I'm going to get it for the $10,000. And I'm thinking, because <laughs> it's free money. It's not free money. <laughs> so I firmly, I, I am, I will help anybody who's willing to help themselves. And I know that's a caveat, um, but I just think if they're not willing to help themselves and I'm enabling them, uh, I just don't know if we're helping by throwing money at people. Yeah, it's interesting because in this conversation we were having, we were just, it's not like we were judging things or saying, hey, this is terrible. It was more of a like mm-hmm. questioning conversation yeah. where you say like, well, okay, you know, the $350 billion of small business loans ran out mm-hmm. very quickly. And that's kind of our thing in America. We we bail out things, you know. Oh, like yeah, it's the Canadian way too. And, you know. <laughs> Oh, so have similar, you, you know, now we're bailing. <laughs> I have yeah, one, time, so one time, one because I'm close to Canada. <laughs> I live like uh, 35 minutes from Vancouver. I'm right on in oh, Blaine, I'm right Vancouver on Island. Of, we're your uh, neighbors. We yeah. are really close. W- weird. Um, so I go to Canada all the time. I did mm. until the border closed. But um, I feel like there are certain things that it's interesting, probably need to have some level of bailout, you know, if let's say uh, airplanes or something. I don't know, maybe they need it, but I don't know, like some things maybe don't. But what we were saying was like that was like, well, what if you're basically giving a loan to a restaurant, let's say a restaurant that wasn't mm-hmm. good anyways. It wasn't a very good restaurant. Yeah, if you don't have enough Yelp Are you reviews, just keeping... you don't get the loan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like, would that restaurant have survived anyways? Right. You know, or is you're just delaying then? I don't know, I just... It's just their thoughts. It's like, should we, or should we be more like Iceland did many years ago? They decided, they went into a huge recession and decided not to bail out their banks. Mm. And it was painful for them, but they have a much stronger banking economy now. It's mm-hmm. way strong. They had to figure it out. So I don't know, but I think sometimes you need to think of the other side of these conversations versus just, yeah. let's just do it. Well, and I see you know? such an unwillingness. For people to actually do that. Like I I gotta have a hard line. I don't even know if we have the right to have a belief if we haven't considered the other perspective. Because right. is it really a belief at that point? If you haven't gone, I am exploring the whole conversation 
And I'm coming to my conclusion that this is what my belief is. High five, way to go. But if people are just saying, nope, this is my opinion. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to think about it. Is that actually a belief at that point? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm tracking with you. It's just kind of like I've been looking at it and having discussions with my wife and different people. I'm like, because I, I got told this particular thing so much maybe a couple of weeks ago, people are going to the better nature of humans are going to come out. We're going to be nice to each other. We're going to have all these things, all these changes are going to happen. And I was like, nah, nah mm-hmm. I don't think so. Not no. completely. I think mass behavior change is not going to happen. I mean, it's just not. It's There's a very large level of human immutability where people, no matter what happens in their lives, it will not change their perspective on things. And there will be people that it will massively change their entire existence, massive change it. But to say that it's all going to be changed, like all humans, like and all these humans, I, I don't know. I it's like there's got to be two sides of this equation. There's not just one thing. We're not going to all just like be loving each other a ton after this. <laughs> no way. No way. There's still going to be <laughs> assholes. You know, I mean, it's not like it's going to be like I'm going to care about you more because of coronavirus. No. It's not true. It's just not And you true. see it already all over the place. I don't care if I get people sick. I want to go out. Like on Vancouver Island here, BC yeah. Ferries shipped a ton really? of people over over Easter. No. And people were saying, well, no. you know, we're kind of bored and we want to go to our summer cabin on the on one of the smaller islands. And if we get sick, they can just helicopter us out. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think oh. so. Or, um, yeah, I'm just going to go over and see my parents because my uh, my sister, they might kill her. So I just need to go and play referee. And I'm <laughs> thinking these are not good reasons to bring whatever you may be carrying over to an island with a senior population. Like some of our communities, the average age is like 68. And so it's that selfishness that I have a right to do whatever it is I want to do. And, and I think that's really the, you know, everything's a double-edged sword. And I really think that's the darker side in self-love and self-care it's that I'm going to do re- whatever I want, regardless of how it impacts you. That's it's hurtful. It's damaging. You are talking about stuff that people are not talking about. You, I mean, the darker side of self-love, mm-hmm. self-care. I don't think I've even heard somebody say that yeah. before. Like, isn't it like always broadcast is this like very rainbows and unicorns yeah, type of thing. Yeah, like, but because I want to consider all perspectives, how can you not look at it and go, is this actually hurting or is it helping? And and I think if we started asking that question before we opened our mouths, we would be living in a much different world. But society changes much faster than evolution. So back to your point about, you know, are we going to come out all sunshine and rainbows? No. Because evolution changes very, very slowly. So when you're looking at, um, you know, how we expect men to behave differently, there is like a gazillion time, years, whatever, and I mean, not a gazillion years, but a really long time that our evolution has been developing and evolution changes very, very, very slowly. And now all of a sudden, because we have this toxic feminism, we're like, hey, men need to change. Why? And if you're not changing overnight, you're somehow a villain. And we're not understanding Mm. the fact that society changes rapidly and not always in the best direction for humanity. And evolution changes very, very slowly. So we still carry in our DNA caveman behaviors. 
Yeah, it's actually, I was just listening to a podcast by a um, couple of doctors, more of like human psychology, sustainability, in particular, Dr. Jen Hawk talking about kind of our stone Mm. age brains and, and that we exhibit so much of our personality is, has been unchanged for a very long time. And there was a large discussion and apparently a tremendous amount of research. I am not aware of it. And I have my doctorate in the psychological based area of behavior modification of that. Apparently more, more current research is indicating that most of our personality is genetically based and that our environment kind of forms is kind of the clay around the genetic temperament mm-hmm. of human beings for that. And, and that the best thing that we can do to really shape our decision-making and our genetic behavior is the, the people that we're around on a regular yeah. basis uh, for that. I found it very fascinating. And that's why for me, I was like, I just, you know, I think we have to look at both sides of the equation. I think it's important in any discussion is there's good things, there's bad things, there's in between things, and let's at least look at all those things. I call it think opposite. (laughs) Think opposite. Like consider a different perspective. And if you come back to your opinion, great. At least you've been responsible enough to explore the other side. But when you know you're talking about these DNAs, all you have to do is or the like our genetics, look at a classroom. Why is it that boys are being medicated for ADD at a much higher rate than girls? It's because their DNA, they, generations, they have been out, they've been the hunters, they've been the ones going to war, they've been the action takers. And then you want them to sit still for how many hours a day? Whereas girls are great because they've been sitting around making baskets and gardening and sewing and doing all those stationary type activities, caring for children, not that you know kids run around. I'm not trying to diminish what women are doing because there's no judgment here. It's just we do things differently and then we put everybody in the same melting pot and expect them all to behave the same. And when they don't, we medicate them. Have you, sounds like you have, I'm I'm not going to assume you have, but how do you react when you have a conversation with someone who hasn't looked at both or many options or many points of view they're very close-minded. What is your kind of approach when talking to someone? Well, I usually play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, it depends. Not everybody's open to that. And I'm not going to waste my time playing devil's advocate to somebody who is just going to shut every single thing down. With those people, I often try to just try to understand where their belief came from and taking more of a roundabout approach. So if somebody is feeling really strongly about uh, pro-life and I um, and they're not willing to have a conversation about pro-choice. I just then get curious about where their belief came from. Like, is it theirs? Uh, and then I ask them questions like, "Well, so mm. what happens if a woman is raped? Right? Is her life? What if she has diabetes and a pregnancy could kill her? Um, is the fetus's life more important?" And so then I start playing around with scenarios that gets them to answer it and. Um, ideally, because I am willing at that point, it's not about me trying to convert them. It's just trying to have a conversation. Um, often they will start going, oh, I never thought of that. And then should a woman be tried for murder and potentially the death penalty if she has an abortion because it's premeditated? So should she go to get a death sentence in states that have it? And so then I just start asking those kind of questions and I ask maybe where they're what their family believes in, that kind of thing. Uh, and sometimes I'm more patient than other times. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I feel like I have a very similar approach. You know, I can be, I can be agreeable on many things and too, but I could also ask a lot of questions and, and not like try to be like, why are you thinking this? You know, that you don't really get no. anywhere that way, you know, just busting people up. This just creates defensiveness, you know, for it. But I'm also very curious about the origins of the belief. And like you said, is it your belief or is it someone else's that you have taken on as your personal identity? If you, be if you are raised in a household that's racist and you have racist thoughts and you don't explore them, when you're a child, I don't know if you have a choice, but as you become an adult, I think it's important to question where those things come from. Welcome to the intermission. I want you to close your eyes. Take a nice big breath. Breathe in, breathe out. I want you to let your thoughts flow like a river and be aware of those thoughts. It's not about stopping those thoughts, but letting them go and letting them flow. And then think, have I taken the time to evaluate my thoughts and ideas and the decisions related to those thoughts? Dive deep into that river and discover many elements of what you think. Is it true? Is there truth? What is reality? And what is your perception? Let it flow. Um, I, I think because so, yeah. they're not yours. You inherited them and they can change if you choose to have them change, if you choose to see a different perspective. But, you know, I think Google and Facebook could actually be really helpful if they stopped with the algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just was on a, I literally, it's so weird you just mentioned that. Allison, because the podcast that I had before yours that I just take, I recorded today was with a guy who works mm. in AI, because I'm very fascinated yeah. by that. And so we talked literally about that, the algorithms on Facebook and all these different platforms. It was mm. fascinating and it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading a study when the um, Hillary Donald uh, election was happening and they took people who were strong supporters of um, Trump and asked if they could mess with their algorithms and they started flooding them with good positive things about Hillary. And I often wondered why do we use her first name and his last name? Anyway, um, <laughs> is it a gender <laughs> thing or is it because her husband? Ran? I, don't, I, don't I, don't, know. I don't know. I think it's a gender thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I digress. And then they gave Hillary supporters positive Trump algorithms. And then they interviewed them at the end. And the people who were like, some people changed their mind completely. Some people just softened their opinion and some people stayed the same. And it, but they stayed the same with more information, which I think is like, you know, that's excellent. Like applaud those people. But what if 
we weren't just being stuck in our echo chambers. Thank you, Facebook and, and Google for doing that because that's what they're doing, right? They're putting us, you know, we Google something and then all or talked around our phone about something. And then we're flooded with this information. And we think we must be right because that's all the world is telling us is that, hey, we're well, right. Yeah. Like, boys suck because that's what all my algorithms are saying. And we're not even questioning it. Because there is nothing put in front of us that says anything to the contrary. Well, most of our lives at this point for a lot of people is spent, you know, looking up information or, you know, perusing things for entertainment purposes on, you know, our digital prosthesis, which is our phone. And so that is shaping what we see for that. So if you're only into, let's say, things about Justin Trudeau, right? Well, then that's all you're going to know is about you don't have any other differing opinion or if you love Donald Trump and all your information is related to, you know, the things you think he's doing well, then that that's your chamber. That's all you. But it takes a a different mind to say, I'm going to look at both of these things or a variety of other options and say, if you're still into that after looking at all the options, fine. Yeah. Have fun. But at least you've looked at it. At least you've really taking a, a disseminating eye at mm-hmm. it, hopefully, if you've done that. But too much of our lives are shaped around what we see and then reinforce. Right. We watch that. the same news channel because it tells us what we want to hear. Yeah. Right. It's it's yeah. so sad to see. Like I had a somebody was talking about Trump on Facebook and I said, but you know, we have to look at the long-term resp- um, consequences. That's our responsibility to draw their attention to it. And their response, or somebody's response was, you should just unfriend her. I'm like, you're going to unfriend me because I love my country and I care about the citizens and I care about the next generation that's going to be paying for this debt. You're going to unfriend me for that? Like what? (laughs) Go ahead. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But then it's so. It's a weird like divisiveness, you know, that people, when you question their reality and they just want to throw you away, it's a very unhealthy Mm -hmm. way of dealing with things in life. Yeah. Yeah. And. Getting to the realization that it's probably all just a story, <laughs> you know, it, uh, I, I catch myself all the time. I'll find myself in a situation. I'm thinking certain things and I'm like, hang on, what story am I telling myself right now? <laughs> is this the pro-life story or is this the pro-choice story or whatever, right? Like it's, is it mine? Um, but does any of it really matter? Because nobody of us, none of us really know for sure. I don't think there's truth. I think that there is um, some variation of what we we think might be right, but does truth actually exist? You're you're one of those people, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> you could you having you having? Oh no, 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 no sorry. That's a story, I, I, not sorry. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Well, you're you know it's kind of um, this sense of defining or questioning our existentialism, these existential questions about, you know, I think therefore Mm -hmm. I am and, you know, who am I? What is, what is reality? Actually, another weird thing. So I just got done watching this crazy show called Devs and uh, it's nuts. It's, if you, it's, it's literally nuts. If you want to like watch something that makes you, I mean, really didn't make me question too much, but if you really want to look at a larger thing about like reality being indistinguishable from a mm-hmm. simulation 
and quantum mechanics and computing and mini worlds theory, it'll like blow your mind. It'll literally blow your mind with like questions. You'll be you're like questions. What if what if something was a simulation? Uh, what is it reality? How do you know if reality is reality? You know, it's, you can go down a really oh, crazy hole yeah. if you wanted to on that. You know, yeah, it's, like, well, and it's, it's like I was just reading a book about torture techniques. <laughs> It was a topic. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're all over the place. You I know. know. It was a topic within a topic. But it's that same thing. They were doing these tortures on people who knew they were being tortured and knew it wasn't real to prepare them in case they were ever captured. And it took no time at all for these people to actually think it was real. Even though they knew it was a simulation, even though they knew that their side was the one doing it. They, it didn't matter after just a very, very short period of time, they fell into that. This is real. They're going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah huh. It's, it's fascinating crazy. when you think that the way our brains work, you know, Malcolm Gladwell just did this great book called uh, Talking to Strangers. Yeah, right. I'm and that familiar. whole thing about the alcohol and rape and all of that, mm-hmm. I was just like mind blowing. It is mind blowing. There's, but we're crossing an area where um, reality is be, is starting to become blurred on some level as, like technology advances. And I was just having a discussion about mm. deep fakes, and and the technology behind deep fakes and taking people's images and movements and videos and voice and be able to create indistinguishable looking people and take Allison and basically form an Allison. In a video that is exactly you, it literally looks like you, walks, talks, everything like you, and you said that. And you not to, you can say, well, that, I didn't do that. And we're like, that, mm. that's you. Like, it's, it's getting that a little scary. Terrifying. You know, like, <laughs> that's terrifying because all of a sudden you're, you're talking about a computer that is so advanced, or at least the, the way it's put together, that it could make indistinguishable reality from a simulation or a computer mm-hmm. program yeah. for that. That's yeah. crazy. And so that's crazy. if you get committed of a crime based on something like that, how do you get out of that? That's indisputable proof, right? They caught you on video. It's mm-hmm. it's the new eyewitness yeah, testimony, which was never truth anyway, but well, yeah. yeah. Like when I, I was doing criminology, my instructor was talking about how she interviewed people who had been shot and they were blown away that they couldn't get up and keep fighting. Yeah, like it was gang members and she interviewed them and and they were Uh just like, it hurt. Like when I got caught, shot in the shoulder, I couldn't move. Like I couldn't, you know, but then we watch these movies and you take Lethal Weapon. How many times was Mel Gibson shot and he's still fighting? I know. So we don't, I don't think we know what's real anymore. It's because other people are doing our thinking for us. So you mentioned the whole lethal weapon thing. I was watching some movie. No, it was Back to the Future. I was watching mm-hmm. the other day, and Marty McFly punches Biff in the face, and I'm like, "How did he get right back up and like chase him down the street?" I'm like, "You get hit flush in the face like that for real? You're going yeah. to sleep, man. Like you're not you're not getting up. In fact, you're getting you're going to be mm-hmm. waking up right somewhere, <laughs> you know. But it's like this whole thing of like, yeah, the drama of the chase and the scene and. You know, a guy gets hit 15 times in a row. He keeps getting back up. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not real. That's definitely yeah. not. Yeah. You, you'd be knocked out, man. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the first punch. 
you know, yeah, you get shot. I couldn't move. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, of course you're not going to move. You can't, you're not dragging yourself across the street and being heroic, you know? Like, well, and then you get, you know, the movies like, um, Charlize Theron was in one, I forget what it was. And she was fighting throughout the whole thing. And they, uh, probably atomic yeah, bomb, probably. and they adapted her, the screen um, writing or the, the, the fighting scenes to accommodate her willingness to get in there. Cause she did a lot of the scenes herself, if not all of them, but mm-hmm. they said, well, a woman would never survive a punch of a man and she could never hurt a man that same way. So how could she use her body to fight more effectively? Then us as women see that and think, oh, well, a dude could hit me and I could still use my elbow in his face and get, you know what I mean? And then we think as women that we could survive something like that and we can't. You know, it's, (laughs) and then how does that distort our relationship with each other? And that's why you're seeing such a rise in um, violence around women, I think, is because we're being shown that it's Mm. acceptable and it's um, effective. (laughs) It's. Wait, rise in violence and women like from women, or are you talking um, like what women do you being mean? violent? Yeah, women being violent. Okay, because thinking that that that's more acceptable. You know, I've seen this; it could be done. Type yeah, of thing, you and know? it's like, and there's this push sort of for women to take on a more masculine role. If the guys can do it, I can do it. But that's not a good enough reason for doing something. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, do you really wow. like? I don't want to be a dude. I want dudes to be dudes and that's great. Like whatever you do, you, um, I wouldn't want to have to deal with a lot of things that men go through and I don't think I should want to do it just because I'm female. Hmm. How often are you having these conversations with people? <laughs> like, <Allison. laughs> well, I have some really interesting friends and with my podcast, having had it for the few years, it's, uh, I end up, becoming friends with some of my guests and because we bond over these kind of conversations. And the interesting thing is that I'm not like woo woo at all. And so these conversations, when they get into, is this even real? It sounds very woo woo, but I'm not. And so I've just been really fortunate. And a woman just sent me a video the other day called um, stepping into the shadows or something. And it's about the whole pedophile ring. And so in the, that's happening like in Hollywood and all of that, that Trump is probably going to blow up at some point soon. Um, and so I get people sending me all of this stuff and then we can have these really great conversations about it. So I am blessed, I think, <laughs> in a lot of ways. But I've always been that person that has asked these questions. My teachers hated me. <laughs> you're like, you're like, uh, raise your hand. You're like, yeah, what about this? They're like, just, yeah, they would just ignore my hand altogether. I just stopped putting <laughs> it up and just started speaking out because they'd ignore me. When I was in um, a grade 11 law class, we went and saw a trial. And we saw one day of a very long trial. And it was a guy who was being accused of sexually molesting his stepdaughter. Great <laughs> trial to take high school students to, might I say, but um, wow. yeah, they got away with it. Anyway, we we heard the stepfather one day of like a three day testimony, uh, er, and he, my my teacher gets on the bus and we're driving back to the school and he's like, "So I think he's guilty. What about you?" And I thought it was a joke. And I said to him, "I said like, whoa, 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 what? What happened to innocent until proven guilty? You've been telling us this all semester." And so his response was, what, you think he's innocent? And then went on to tell everybody that I was a sex offender lover. And and I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> high school was so much fun for me. Um, 
And so, and there was, everybody just went along with it, right? So here's this person who's supposed to be teaching us and he's not even living what he's teaching. And it was a real eye opener for me that people don't show up the way they say they are. Hmm. Do you think that's kind of, you know what, that makes me think kind of paralleled with the projection of who we say we are online (laughs) in these social platforms versus the person we actually are. Oh, huge disconnect. Huge. I had um, one of my guests, he spent time in prison for a crime that he didn't know was happening. And because he refused to Mm -hmm. plead guilty because he was in a stolen car and didn't know it was stolen. And I don't know about you, but every time I get in somebody's car, I don't say, is this, is this car stolen? <laughs> anyway, he ended up in prison right. and now he helps people maneuver the, the criminal justice system. And he talked about how there is actually terminology inside prisons for the people that are beaking off inside their cell, but out in the yard, they're super timid and they don't say anything to anybody. And it's the mm-hmm. same with this social media trolling. It's, we feel powerful when people can't see us, but we forget that our pictures attached to our profile, <laughs> the where we mm-hmm. work is attached. Like there's no anonymity and yet we act like there is. It's so strange. The whole behavior of kind of saying outrageous mm-hmm. things online or projecting a super happy life mm-hmm. at all times just feels very strange to me. It, it always has from the beginning to me. I'm like, this is not normal human behavior. Like, this isn't like regular behavior where you have ups and downs and you're happy sometimes, you're sad sometimes. You're like, what, what, what mm. is going on here? Well, and then you get those people who are just like, I'm going to put all of my miseries on Facebook because I'm just being vulnerable. Yes. You're not being vulnerable. You're being manipulative. <laughs> That's the next level, though. I find I find that that has been the next level is let me show yeah. you my flaws. But then like it's all flaw based. And it's like, look at how vulnerable I am because we're throwing around vulnerability like it's mm-hmm. and misinterpreting days, like everything word. Brene Brown talks about, like we're mm-hmm. bastardizing it like we do so right. many things. But again, there's that double edged sword. And I think all of it is tied down to our relationship with our worth. If we have really good Um, connection to our internal worth and we are vulnerable we don't need anything from the other person but if our worth is coming from that other person we're vulnerable because we want to manipulate them because we're going to get our worth when they say oh poor you yeah that's it's there's huge conversations related to these (laughs) things it's very interesting i want to know about your podcast domino thinking i love that title though by the way domino thinking is that the domino thing? Is that like kind of like, hey, like the two sides of it? Or what is the what was the kind of the genesis of domino um, it's thing? more about like, where are your thoughts going? Like, have you considered the consequences of the, the actions that you're taking right now? And how dare you ask that? People I don't think about know. stuff. Like that. <laughs> I'm not popular at a lot of parties. Just let me say that right now. <laughs> think about my decisions. Yeah consequences. Right. And so it really is about how can you be responsible for those thoughts? How can you own your part in a situation? Because when you're able to say, I co-created this and spoiler alert, you are co-creating everything that's happening in your life right now. Because every time we interact, it's a dance. Every time we opt out of an interaction, it's a dance. And we are agreeing to play a role in that dance. And then we turn around and we say, oh, no, 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 
we, we, this happened to me. No, it happened in co-creation to those choices that you were making. And when we step into that and own it, it actually strengthens us. But we think it's going to make us weaker. And so we don't do it. And so domino thinking is all part of that. Like, how do you own your part in something and not their part? You don't have to own their part in the dance. You just have to own your own part, right? All right. What has been the most surprising thing about your podcast that you've over the time? What was surprising? Um, I guess about a year and a half ago, I'd given a speech. Maybe it's two and a half years ago now. I don't know. I gave a speech uh, called My Part where I talked about the Me Too movement and how it's a double-edged sword and we have to be really careful about how we are um, playing out our role in that. And I talked about when I was sexually assaulted in high school and it wasn't until I understood how I co-created it without shame or blame, without condoning his behavior, was I able to actually stop being his victim. And a lot of people reached out to me after that. But one guy in particular reached out and told me about how he was raped by his wife and put in the hospital for three or four days. And then he was laughed out of the police station and had no choice but to go back to her. And uh, partway through this conversation, I had realized that I had not been seeing men well. Uh, if anybody asked me, I'd be like, dudes are great. I talk to guys all the time, like whatevs. But I actually hadn't been seeing them as full and complete human beings with their own set of really super legit problems. Um, because I had been indoctrinated with toxic feminism. I believe that women, we were a victim, so men couldn't possibly be a victim of anything. And that changed my life. And I don't know if that would have happened without my podcast. And so I spent the next year-ish interviewing people about men's rights and feminism and how do we bridge that gap. And so now I have a pretty hard line about us um, excluding and uh, the importance of seeing people because I think being seen is a fundamental human need. And when we can see somebody, we're actually giving them an enormous gift. That's incredible. I mean, that's a really interesting story. It's, it's, it highlights some kind of the, that we think about men and we think, oh, a, woman, a man could never be raped by a woman, mm -hmm. you know, to think that. And then, and then for the officers yeah. to laugh at him, you know, they're laughing at him thinking that he's weak, you know, that he, how could that happen to a man, you know, but it's, it's possible. It's the, totally possible. Oh it happens. Yeah. And know? more than we think, like the, when you consider the fact that men don't report uh, or they report very little, um, the silence, you have to start interpreting the silence as well, just like you do with women, because a lot of women don't report when they're raped. But as opposed to saying, let's stop women getting raped, how about we just stop rape? There's an idea. Like when you think it's okay for a woman to go up to a man and start touching him at a bar because she's drunk and likes his pecs and everything's fine, even if he's uncomfortable with it, that's acceptable. That's not acceptable. It wouldn't be acceptable for a guy to do it to a woman. So it shouldn't be okay the other way around. And so there's so many things that we think is acceptable to have happened to men. It's acceptable for them to be sent off to war and be disposable. It's acceptable for them to have the dangerous jobs. It's acceptable for them to lose their access to their children. It's acceptable for a woman to decide to have an abortion, even though the father wants the child, which is what I get hung up on all the time because uh, I, I don't know the answers to that. 
Um, so we don't actually see, we're not taught as women to see things from the male perspective. And as the gift that I got in all of that is the tremendous experiences that I get having conversations with men now. Oh, that's mm. incredible. Really, really amazing. I think it's well said, um, presented in the way that now kind of getting to know you a little bit more makes so much sense and how you present things. I wonder what has been disappointing in the, in the podcast, if anything at all. Um, I'm not sure about disappointments. I think because it's all. Or challenging. Yeah. I think it's all just an opportunity to say, thank you. There's a learning experience here. (laughs) And so I think it's, it is difficult. I think um, maybe what's the most difficult is, I don't know, because the people that come on my show kind of know me or they followed me. And so they, they're willing to be open and share. Um, I think maybe one of the disappointing things is the tragedy that people have had to endure, you know, bearing witness to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I feel the same way. You know, I, I love doing my podcast. Like it is something I love doing more than I ever thought I would. I just felt led to do it. Uh, but I didn't realize that I would be taking on the tremendous, um, the depth of pain that the pe- people mm-hmm. are experiencing in their life. That's been surprising for me that there's so much of it, so much. It's like a mountain that keeps getting bigger and bigger, the personal pain that us as humans and all the people have gone through is so incredible. The amount of it is staggering. You know, it's that I think has been disappointing, but overall just, it's a lovely thing to do and talking with people and different ideas. It's my Mm -hmm. meditation. It's meditation for me. A conversation is meditation to me because I'm getting in the zone. I have a singular focus. I'm into whoever I'm talking to. That's all I'm into at that point. It's the only thing that matters in my life at that point, mm-hmm. in that moment, mm-hmm. what we're doing. That, and I'm deeply focused in on it, which I think allows me to have quality conversation and keeping together an art form that I think is highly necessary, which is conversation <laughs> with people. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's uh, And I'm so grateful for people like you who have these podcasts and you're willing to have these conversations and to see the people how they show up and then give them that representation uh, so that maybe we can all learn a little bit from the people that we talk to and then share that information i big time sharing very i now i'm at the point where i just i just want to have good conversation this you know i'm 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 in the fitness business been for a long time and i kind of slanted it towards that in the beginning now it's just like the podcast is a representation of the things I'm fascinated mm-hmm. in my mind. You know, it's like, so it, it literally bounces all over the place. I just got a lady who wanted to be on my podcast to talk about mm-hmm. women and the priesthood and the Catholic priesthood, female yeah, priests wow. and the whole thing and being pushed against on that. And I know that's things that some hosts would be like, I can't touch <laughs> that man. You know, like that. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. We're definitely talking mm-hmm. about this. I got to, I want to hear, I want to know, like, you know, just what's, what is this person's point of view about it? What, why have they made this such a large crusade in their life? You know, and just, just understand versus being like, I could never talk about stuff like that. But that is what makes you great. 
is that you allow a platform for one of many things, I'm sure, um, <laughs> but you allow the platform for right. that, right? It's that your worth is intact enough that you are not going to exactly. lose worth by somebody else telling their story. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, like, they're just telling me stuff, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm for this or I'm against it. It's just, we're having a conversation. I had a lady on the other day and her whole thing was ending the problem of sexual mm -hmm. dysfunction and like premature ejaculation and use of all these things. And like, she was like, it was very graphic, you know? I mean, we were talking about mm -hmm. vaginal flushing. Like, not like I know anything <laughs> about this, but you know, I'm like, we're going to go down this road. We're uh -huh. just going to do it. Yeah. Bring it on. Well, <laughs> like, that's how we learn, right? Come on, mm -hmm. let's do it. I don't, what are we talking about yeah. here? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and she's like explaining it to me and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, well, what's the secretion like made of and stuff? Like, I'm like asking and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, somebody's going to listen to this and go, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, man. Come yeah, on. and I applaud you for that. That's amazing. Well, Why and you not? know, people are positively know. fascinated. I think that is just such a great opportunity to learn and ask more questions, right? Because they want to share. They want to go deeper. They want to um, bring awareness. And when you can have the space, like a, a platform, like a podcast, and coupled with a yeah. willingness to provide that space, it's and the curiosity that you have to go along with it. I just think it's a gift to your audience, really, truly. Thank you. I, I, I think it just, I don't know, for me, it's like, like even that lady, she was like, her episode's coming out on Thursday, and she said, Thank you for doing this. Like, I've talked to other hosts, and they, they just won't do it. Like, they're like, eh, I'm not sure if my <laughs> audience would be open to this, you know? I'm yeah, like, who cares? It, it don't matter. Yeah. You should bring her on, man. She's like, uh, it's very graphic, but it's appropriately mm. graphic. And I think it's just, she's like one of these people, she's like very dead on about getting this point across. And I feel like she needed to talk about it. I'm like, okay, well, you, you know, just, just pushback she I was, gets all the oh, time. Man. Like she's probably, I'm, and I'm making up this story because it's all story. I imagine she gets yep. so much pushback all the time and people just shutting it down and not wanting to talk. And so, yeah, there'd be a huge relief to have somebody go, tell me more. Yeah. Tell me. I, and I try to do that with every person. Tell me, they tell me something just like you said, Oh, tell me more about that. Come on. Who are you, who are you talking to Allison? Who are these conversations? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You said you pissed some people off. I'm like, mm -hmm. I got to know about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're on Facebook, you know, I just think it's a good quality. You can see everybody on piss off. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta check it out, man. Now, like you pulled oh, me in we'll to do, your podcast through this conversation. The podcast, fine. Don't go back on Facebook though for me. Oh no, no, I wouldn't. No, actually, I can't go on Facebook. I'm allergic yeah, to it, that. honestly. I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry, people who love Facebook groups and stuff. It's just. I can't do it, man. I just, I, and plus as a human, I don't think there's, I can't do like 10 things at the same time. I can't be on like 12 platforms and stuff. Like it's not going to be good for me. Like focus on a few things that I like to do well, put my effort towards mm. and I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. We could, I'll rip a page out of that book. I mean, just do what you do and do it well. Don't try to do too many things that you don't know what you're doing. You're just doing it because society's telling you, you need to be on all these platforms. I mean- you need to you need to push against that and be like, do yeah. I? 
Why do I need to do it? Why do I need to tweet? I don't, I don't have that. I don't, I don't, I'm not missing out. Seriously. I, what am I missing? A bunch of weird trolling behavior. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean I have to take a picture of my food? I don't like what? No, I just want to eat. Right. Yeah. I, I don't need to have that. Although, oh, some people, well, that's all I get my news. I'm like, there's other ways and to get news. People that is not necessarily <laughs> news. It's just people's opinion. That doesn't make yeah. it real. It doesn't make it you know, anywhere close to the truth that doesn't exist. But yeah. and you know you think about it too like a professional juggler can only keep so many balls in the air so what makes the rest of us mere mortals think we can Mm. keep more Mm. Mm. well said you know what i gotta end it on that that was too good fair enough that was too good you know fair enough right well allison it's been very enlightening uh, to speak with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you it. so much. I appreciate, you know, you taking the time to have this conversation with me. It means a lot. Awesome. Well, we will be in touch. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to Progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Get internet security and voice for just $40 per month for 12 months when you add mobile. Ends 11-6-2022. Restriction supply requires EcoBill and AutoPay. New Comcast Business 250 megabit per second internet. Security edge and one voice line customers only. Two-year agreement required. Equipment taxes and other fees extra and subject to change.